Dear listener, Sairam and welcome to Trist with Divinity, our series of conversations with people who have been touched by the love of Bhagwan Baba. Today we bring you the first part of the conversation with Dr. V. Mohan, an eminent Indian diabetologist from Chennai, South India. He is the chairman and chief of diabetology at Dr. Mohan's Diabetes Speciality Center. This institution based in Chennai is a World Health Organization collaborating center for prevention and control of non-communicable diseases and also an international diabetes federation center of education. Additionally, Dr. Mohan is the president and director of the Madras Diabetes Research Foundation. This research foundation which Dr. Mohan established in 1996 has published more than 800 papers including over 500 original research articles in peer-reviewed journals as well as at least 120 chapters in the textbooks on diabetes, endocrinology and internal medicine. Dr. Mohan over the years has received numerous awards and fellowships. In 2012 the government of India conferred on him one of the highest civilian awards padma shri for his human contribution in the field of diabetes treatment and research in india in 2013 he was awarded fellowship from american college of physicians usa as well as from american college of endocrinology usa in the same year he was also conferred fellowship from the world academy of sciences for the advancement of science in developing countries One can visit his website drmohan.com that is d r v m o h a n.com to know more about him. What is significant is in 1992 he was drawn to the Sai fold and since then he has had many incredible moments of experiencing the divine in his life at various levels. Bhagwan very graciously blessed him to be the convener of the Sri Satya Sai Trust Tamil Nadu in 2007. Besides discharging his responsibility, he is also very active in conducting free rural diabetes screening camps in several villages of Tamil Nadu. Radio Sai's Bishu Prashti had a conversation with him in November 2013 in which he began with sharing Swami's instructions about diabetes management and then moved on to his journey to Swami and the precious lessons he had learned at his lotus feet. So here is the first part of this conversation. Saram Dr. Mohan and a warm welcome to you to Sai the Ram. studios of Radio Sai. World over people know you as someone who has worked tirelessly in the area of diabetes for more than 3 decades and they know you as the chairman and chief diabetologist of Dr. Mohan's group of diabetic institutions. present in india and abroad but for all of us sai devotees you are a sai doctor you are the convener of bhagwan's trust sri satya sai trust tamil nadu so it would be really very useful for us to know what are bhagwan's directions on diabetes diabetes management control prevention that perhaps you might have received directly from swami i am very privileged to answer this question because in one of the rare interviews that i've had with swami and i treasure it uh, very much till today the interview is going on and suddenly he turned to me and he said doctor why is diabetes increasing in india mm-hmm. so at that time uh, we had made a small breakthrough in one of our genetics research so i thought he is referring to some new genetic discovery so i said is it genes swami 
So he frowned at me and he said, no, 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 not jeans, something else. So I said, people are not walking nowadays, Swami, lack of exercise. Yes, that is correct. But there is something else which you have not looked at in your own research. And that is why I am asking you, he said. Mm-hmm. So I said, uh, Swami, I, I don't know. Then he said, rice, white rice is one of the reasons why sugar is increasing. And then he turned around to the others and said, you know, this white rice is polished. And so when you take lots of it, people are taking too much of this white rice. So it increases the sugar level. When it increases the sugar level, the insulin goes up. Then all the insulin from the pancreas goes away. Then they become diabetic. Then the sugar goes up. So this is the main reason. And he told me, your data, you have got it. Go and look at it, he said. Mm-hmm. And if you substitute it with either brown rice or ragi, then he told me, I take sangati, you know that, that ragi bot, I take that. Sugar doesn't go up, he said. Go and look at it, he said. So I went back to my database and I said, see, Swami has said like this, let's take out. We had collected all the data, but we didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. When we looked at it, we were amazed that there was a direct correlation between the prevalence of diabetes in Chennai and the amount of carbohydrate that is white rice which is consumed. So, if you took 200 grams of carbohydrate, you had a certain percentage of diabetes. Those who took uh, 400 grams of carbohydrate, just 200 grams more, the diabetes prevalence went up four times. <laughs> and this is after correcting for obesity and all other physical activity and everything else. So, for the first time, we are able to show that white rice is directly linked to it. And this directly came from Swami. It was published in the British Journal of uh, Nutrition. Then we went ahead and substituted this white rice with brown rice and lo and behold, the sugar levels came down. So, Swami gave very clear instructions. He said, cut down on the rice, if possible, change it or change the type of rice to less polished rice. Take either wheat or ragi, it is better, less slowly absorbed than this white rice. Take plenty of vegetables and then you have to walk every day. Physical activity is very important, exercise is very important. And most of all, reduce your tension, stress. Of course, Swami in another context said, Hari, Vari, Kari, he has said. In fact, when he said that, I told him, Vari, Hari, Vari, Kari. But he said, that is for heart disease, he said. Yes. <laughs> heart disease will Vari, Kari, Hari. But part of it also relates to diabetes. Because Hari and Vari, Hari becomes, you become a type A personality, always trying to do something. So, all your hormones uh, get increased. So, Swami has very clearly showed that. And reduction of stress, Swami has given so much of importance to pranayama. The breathing, how you do. So, the slow, deep inhalation and exhalation. So, hum, so, hum. So, the breathing that you do, pranayama and yoga and meditation helps to calm you. So, that brings down the diabetes and the blood pressure. So, Swami has in several places given clear instructions and also within the vegetables, which ones to take, which ones not to take. In the Sai literature, it is there. In fact, there is a book on food and Swami. They've actually compiled everything. So, sattvic food, generally. If you can spend little time and tell listeners about this, you know, the kind of food that they should take. Yes. So, basically what he says is cut down on the starchy vegetables and fruit. For example, rice, potato, beetroot. These are all starchy vegetables. So, those things have to be avoided. Lot of green leafy vegetables, whether it is beans or greens or spinach or cabbage or cauliflower. All these are vegetables which are very, very good. So, all the green leafy vegetables, those which are under the ground are usually more starchy. Those which are above the ground are good. So, the way Swami has said is that take less of rice. When you take a plate, what we do, first of all, we put all the rice. Mm -hmm. 
then only side dishes we put something else what swami's concept is you first put lot of vegetables on the on the plate okay and then take lot of these grams pulses pappu will always say lot of grams and pulses it's very rich in protein in fact swami has written clearly in his book for vegetarians world over people are afraid that if you become vegetarian you will become thin your muscles will go you will become a weakling and so on swami says no there is enough vegetable protein available either in the form of milk or in the form of dals and all the protein and the sprouts and the grams and if you include all that plenty of the tofu soya bean bengal gram green gram black gram all these are very very rich sources of protein but and they, they say are high class are, protein they say there there are some kind of protein which are there in non veg food that you cannot get in veg food what what is your there take is, on that there is there is scientifically it is correct because if you look at the essential amino acids if you see in rice for example lysine is absent okay and but there is excess of methionine if you use the pulses methionine is absent but lysine is more so swami says very clearly eat them together so when you combine the rice and the grams together excess of one is made up by the other so if one is having less of lysine it is there in the grams if one is having less of methionine it is there in the other so if you combine both together the it comes first class quality protein of the best biological value equal to any animal protein it's only when you eat it in in isolation suppose you take only the rice and you cut out all that naturally you will not only be deficient in protein you will be deficient in some other types of protein also i don't think if you actually choose it properly and use it properly you get the same essential amino acid composition as non vegetarian food and i don't think it is right to say that vegetarians will be deficient in this or the other sometimes it can be little deficiency of b12 and b12 you can always supplement either in a capsule form or b12 comes in other thing so you can always substitute the in some of the nuts there is b12 some of the seeds there is b12 flax seeds and so on so there are other ways in which you can get that wonderful so as you are saying this what comes to me is now there is so much of correlation between spirituality being a sidewoty and diabetes absolutely i think they are both intertwined and you cannot separate one from the other yeah i think if you are a devotee it will help you to become healthy also definitely because swami's principles he says a healthy body only can have healthy mind first because he says the body is a temple of the mind so if the temple itself is polluted or it is unhealthy how the mind can be pure so first we must look after the body that's why swami always says give lot of importance to your body's needs also because unless body is strong how can you serve others swami has himself said that hands that help are holier than lips that pray if your hands are weak how can you serve so for that i think swami gives lot of importance to nutrition to rest to sleep in the ashram 9 o'clock lights out why we can keep on working up to 1 o'clock in the morning the next day you can't do your work So that is why Swami, I think, from the beginning has trained all Sai devotees to have a disciplined life, eat in time, have enough time with the family, have positive thoughts always, not negative thoughts, get enough sleep. All these things were, and then eat nutritious food. And anything in excess is bad. Swami talks about the five white poisons: no, white rice, sugar, salt. maida and even milk in excess even milk in excess is bad you can have a glass of milk to get some calcium and some protein but you have 10 glasses of milk that milk is meant for the calf not for human beings so if you drink too much of milk certain cancers are linked to that if you take salt blood pressure so you can limit your salt intake because if you take too much salt blood pressure if you take too much of sugar 
it leads to diabetes and similarly maida and so on so the five white poisons which swami says if we avoid it or take it in moderation i think they take care of our health and uh, if we look at india today they say there are 6.3 crore exactly. people in india who are afflicted with this disease and if you look at the list of countries we come only second. next to china second second it's a very depressing situation but more and more what we see is youngsters are getting afflicted yes. with this disease yes. so can you please share you know what we can do so that you know at least sai youth sai yes. youngsters are healthy you know what is it that they should bring the shift in their lifestyle so that you know they are strong enough to do bhagwan's work to find fulfillment in their lives i can see you have done your homework very well but the number is unfortunately that 6.3 crores or 63 million was last year Last this day. year's figures have just been released uh, on November 14th World Diabetes Day this year yes. and is going to be officially released on December 1st in Melbourne at the World Congress where I'll also be there the official release will, but the figures are already out it's 65 million now 65 million so it's 6.5 crore people now in India China has also moved up a little bit but we are still in second place very much very much ahead uh-huh. of the third uh, country which is US which is only 2.4 uh, crore people we are three times that of uh, US so The problem you hit the nail on the head. See, it's not just having diabetes. Many years ago, diabetes was considered a status symbol. So people used to say, "I've got my Mercedes Benz. Now I have to get little diabetes to be accepted as a big oh man in God. society." You know. <laughs> Today, all that has changed because it is moving from the rich to the middle class to the poor. A poor man, if he gets diabetes, almost twenty-five percent of his income he has to spend on that one disease. So twenty-five percent of his income is gone just to buy his medicines. So he can't afford it. So what he's going to do is he's going to neglect his uh, diabetes completely. Okay. Second problem, as you rightly said, it used to be a disease of older people. So fifty, sixty, seventy years we get it. Takes another twenty years to get complications. So ninety years if we get complications, India's lifespan is only sixty-five years. So we don't have to worry too much about ninety-five-year-old person whether he may get complications or not. We all live up to that. That is always a blessing. But from there it started coming to forties, thirties, twenties. Today. 12 year old 13 year old children yes. are coming i'm not talking about the insulin dependent type 1 that comes separately anyway but that's not a common thing it's not increase in epidemic proportion but the usual adult onset is now coming because of obesity childhood obesity and we as i devotees what we have to do is encourage every one of our youth as well as the children in all our sai schools i think physical activity must be given a lot of importance second the reason why this obesity is coming that obesity is leading to diabetes is junk food mm-hmm. people are eating all kinds of junk food instead of drinking water they are drinking cola they think it's more fashionable to drink that you know in fact abroad sometimes mineral water will be costlier than the cola because they make it in you know cans and this and in a machine fountain machine you can go and take the thing almost for free So everybody starts drinking that calorie content goes up in a small cola you have 12 cubes of sugar can you imagine a small cola so if you take that five times a day 60 cubes of sugar you have taken the amount and you multiply that 365 you're talking about thousands and thousands of cubes of sugar so it's these are not small thing when you drink water clean water it is zero calories so in our sss vip villages where we work i think providing clean drinking water telling our villagers telling wherever we work to sai organization drink water i think that's a very very healthy thing that we can tell and that's why swami has given drinking water to everyone if you link it through his project somehow it will come you know because he believed that water is essential for life and without that that is why the sai water project is a landmark in the whole world nobody no organization no single individual in the history of mankind has supplied millions of people with drinking water 
Yes. Yeah. In fact, uh, when we talk about Bhagwan's uh, healthcare mission, yes, we talk about Bhagwan's hospitals, yes, and free clinics uh, elsewhere. But other day, this this thought came that we don't talk about Bhagwan's water project when we talk about healthcare. Exactly. But actually, it is so linked. They're linked because if you give clean water, they won't get infection, they won't get diarrhea, children won't die, your lifespan will increase. If see many of India's children die before five years of age. If you see the under fives deaths, India is doing very badly. It's improving. Many states have improved. The southern states, at least now, are much better. But the northern states, some are in a very pitiable condition. If those children make it beyond five years, then they are okay. They live their normal life. Then they go to thirty, forty, fifty years like a normal person. But what do they die when they are two years old due to a diarrhea? That is where water comes in. That is why Swami has been so very kind. and merciful in giving water to water starved places where they were drinking water which is undrinkable you know many of the places it's polluted many of the places they have toxins in arsenic in the in the water or fluoride in the water high very high contents and so on so swami with his infinite mercy and his love divine love limitless love has provided drinking water to and that is so closely related to health so i don't think i can actually separate it. and education education only gives you the basis for all this that is why the education is also so all the three are like a triangle one Absolutely. fits into the other and when you talk about education i was just reminded of reading that same report it says that 50% of people with diabetes according to international diabetic federation do not know that they have the disease that is a problem so that is why again if you go back to swami's mobile hospital see everywhere there is a link what are they doing they are going and advising people raising awareness not specifically about diabetes but specifically about health and so on but today as the communicable diseases are getting controlled to some extent tb is started coming down hiv is thankfully almost gone other diseases are coming down many are preventable So once you control all that today if you think of what are the things due to which people are dying in India already 60% of all deaths in India are due to non communicable diseases which includes diabetes hypertension heart disease and cancer as the four major causes of death only after that then there's injuries another 10 15% only after that communicable diseases are coming so while communicable diseases are still important in areas where we still have many of the backward states still people are dying due to tuberculosis or malaria or so those kind of things still have to be looked into they will also improve in the next 5 to 10 years they'll catch up with the rest of just like we are catching up with the west the rural will catch up with the urban the north now the south has become a little more advanced so north will catch up with the south in the some of the backward states northeast will catch up with the rest of india it's all going to happen it's question of 5 years 10 years then ultimately we'll be stuck with this problem yes. you know of non communicable diseases So for that, right now, healthy messages have to start, and I think in our Sai organization, we are already doing it. We are doing camps, we are doing mobile hospitals. We are trying now trying to extend that to the whole country. These health messages. So one of the things which leads to this affluence. Yes. So one of my reviewers of a paper, you know, from a British journal, humorously, the reviewer wrote to me, "Okay, you are showing that at that time, ten, fifteen years, no longer true. Now it's caught up. But fifteen years ago, when I published one of the reports in Chennai, the poor people had very little diabetes. Mm-hmm. The middle class had more. So the reviewer humorously wrote, 'So is your solution to make everyone poor in India so they won't <laughs> get diabetes? Because when they become rich, they are going to get diabetes. So what are you going to do?' I said, 'No. I wrote back, 'No. Our aim is to educate the rich man.'" and the middle element so that his diabetes won't come you know yeah. that is what we should do so they say diabetes is uh, is a disease of development and if you want to develop if you want to increase your standard of uh, living then you have to get the disease partly true partly not true partly true if you don't take the corrective measures because what happens with development is you eat more your exercise will come down see a guy who is going on a cycle 
or walking now buys a scooter his excess totally gone otherwise he used to walk 4 km if you take the villages around uh, uh, puttaparthi now compare it to what it was 30 40 years ago now i'm sure every house there will have a motorbike it'll have a television it'll have this it'll have that all the all the developments you can see happening there all that leads to a decrease in physical activity increase in tension and stress because now you're trying to meet american deadlines trying to meet the youngsters are trying to work in uh, you know all these back offices trying to uh, bpos and trying to work to american time so stress level your sleep goes and then when they sit there what do they do they'll be ordering in a pizza or a burger or drinking uh, cola and that's what they're doing so all these are leading to diabetes not the development which has occurred the wrong habits which came because of the development as a side devotee if we teach them you do all that yes. you earn more yes. but also see that you keep one hour for exercise every day yes eat healthy home food yes have all those things only occasionally yes don't change your whole lifestyle and think this is a new style now that i become a corporate person this is how i do not necessary you can still take your usual home food once in a week go out and have something or once in a month go out and have something so once those messages we build in along with our sai messages uh, when you go to ssv villages and so on if we start bringing in these messages we'll have a healthier india some people may ask is that our priority you know we, we have got so much other work to do uh, we shouldn't be be teaching them how to wash your hands well teach that also we are not saying don't teach that you know yeah. wash your hands five times a day use soap and water okay keep yourself clean wash your hands after you come back from work wash your hands before you think teach children to do that teach them hygiene teach them all that you teach okay along with it also teach them exercise teach them some yoga teach them stress reduction today with development another thing is happening is suicide rates are going up children can't face the competition you know when you need 99.8% marks to get into a medical college today how many can reach that become 99 year of failure you know so children who have studied 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 they don't have money to pay to a private college to a private medical college engineering college they don't have money they have to get into the government system and there into the government system when you say 99.8% is your cut point 99.6 is a failure then you know so in swami's institutions there is no first and second we know that everybody is first yes so you should not get think about marks but about remarks that's what swami says so everywhere swami has given those messages that is more important to be first in life not first in the examination so how do we prepare them for that wholesome education and that is where i think swami's swarna yuga concept comes in yes. because swami has said that swarna yuga will come that india will be a world leader that the world itself will be harmonious that the universal brotherhood is going to come all that he has said how is it going to come not through old people like us you know who have already passed through the generation but from youngsters and where are those youngsters coming we have got 100 sai schools these sai schools are producing 50000 school children who are taught ideals of swami okay who are different they are our hope for the future now when these people come out when they have a good education they are going to come up in life they are going to become collectors they are going to become uh, you know bureaucrats they are going to become doctors lawyers and so on they are going to follow ethical principles in life as taught by swami and his institutions that is the future that is a swarna yoga which is going to come it is so much deteriorated today that a sea change has to come and that is why swami has given so much of importance to his students he always says my students come first sometimes we used to feel jealous he always says his students only come first he has given so much importance now we understand why he is giving so much of importance to them because he sees them as his ambassadors who are going to carry his messages into the next generation and they are the people who are going to change india change the world okay 
Today, when one of Swami's students goes for employment anywhere, let it be a multinational company anywhere, the moment they see Satyasa institution, they grab them. Because they know they will not be corrupt, they will be ethical, they will do what is the best. Because that is how they have been taught to do. That itself is a great thing, isn't it? So I think that is where integration of all these values, education, human values that Swami has taught, which has come through all his schools and the children and the succeeding generations which are going to come, that is the hope for India. And that is a hope for the world. But as you mentioned about being ethical in society, you know, this question comes to me because this is something that we have faced whenever we speak to youngsters, you know, especially whenever anyone tells them that, you know, when you go out in society, you have to be ethical, you have to follow these principles. You know, people listen, youngsters listen, but they say, you know, it's not really going to be so practical. The world outside is so different. You can't really make it big if you want to strictly follow all these principles. You know, some things are good only for the books. Now, what is your take on that? You've been so successful in your life. You've received Padma Shri from the president's hands. What would you like to say to this generation? Can you share something that you have experienced in your life from your own personal experience? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example. Partly their fears are justified because, you know, Swami says, he himself says, you come to Prashanti Nilayam, you're here for a week, it's a different world. So, you have so many ideals you think about. It's like a New Year resolution. Okay? You do everything. Yes. Then you step out onto that bus outside. And the moment you get in, you, you meet the, you see the world is different. You know, the whole world is different. So, the world out there is a little different. But that doesn't mean that we should not try and that, that we should give up and that nothing is possible. Okay? We have to persist with what you think is right. And, in fact, there is a book now called The Difficulty in Being Good by Guru Charandras. Yes. So, he just takes, you know, from Mahabharata, from Ramayana and he says, everybody who has tried to do good has been in trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it's not only now. For generations, uh, it has been, for eons, it has been like that. That somebody tries to do good and he'll get into trouble. Okay. Sita did all that she could, but still she was suspected in the end. Was she really faithful? You know. So, somebody who does good... It's very difficult for them to persist. And that is where the challenge is. Swami says they're all tests for you, you know. And each test you pass, you come higher and higher in how I assess you. And if you're going to get something very easily, it's not worth getting that degree at all. Okay. So, those are the tests in life where we have to take a call. So, we stepped out of Tamil Nadu and came to Hyderabad and set up our branch there. So, initially we were doing very badly and very slowly to speak. It was different. They don't know us as well as in Tamil Nadu. It was the first foray into another state, Andhra Pradesh. And the culture there was slightly different. Okay. Another institution of uh, Dr. Uh, branches. Yeah, one of our 16 branches. Now we have 16 and the first one is in Musket, just coming up with Swami's grace. But I would say Tamil Nadu, the first one was in Hyderabad. So we started this. So we had a training program. Okay. So this training program is purely voluntary. The doctors come in over a period of few days, train them in diabetes. They don't pay anything. It's free. And I'm offering all that I have learned to them. as. Uh, and these are private practitioners. They're not even diabetologists. They're general practitioners who do lots of other things and they have diabetes. So after everything is over, after the certificate is also given to them, they've been trained and everything that we had to teach them, we have taught them and all. Then they're going to go back and do general practice even then. I just made a casual comment saying that now that I've taught you, you will be able to treat diabetes well, but you might have some difficult case which you're not able to handle. And if anything is there, we are always there at your service. Okay, I didn't even solicit, I didn't even say refer to us. I just said, if you need any help, we are always there. If some high-end equipment, somebody has some eye problem, kidney problem, something like that, you can refer to us, you know, if you want to. 
it's up to you if you want to refer straight away the doctors are telling me after getting everything from me free of cost okay and getting the you know benefit of being educated and all the material given to them everything given free of cost for weeks together all the knowledge being imparted they tell me directly how much kickback will you give us oh so <laughs> for a moment i was taken aback and i said what uh, they said the going rate is 20% in hyderabad so if you give us anything more 25 30 we will refer to you so i said i'm sorry we have never done it in our life and uh, i won't be able to give you any kickback at all because i have not done this so far and i don't think i can do it uh, because uh, first of all our rules don't permit it and my ethics don't permit it i'm a sidiotic i can't do it and the way our wor- institution works we have never done like that so i will not be able to give any kickbacks to you and they said we will not refer a single patient to you i said so be it you know i am willing to close down the hyderabad center okay if necessary but i will not take give you kickbacks in order to work so it almost came to a crisis and i came here and i prayed to swami and so on and i remember it was in december of one year it's two and a half years had passed me going in loss 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 and uh, i called my hyderabad person uh, dr shastri who now works with me for 24 years now and he worked with me first 14 15 years then only i sent him to hyderabad now he's been there about 8 years now so he i called him and i said shall we consider i mean i will give it another 2 3 months time obviously and if it's not it's still going loss loss how long i can i mean uh, keep going loss why don't you come back to chennai i mean we'll continue chennai is doing well we'll come back to chennai said, sir whatever you decide we will do that but no giving kickbacks okay we will not do that if necessary we'll close down the center miraculously this is a pure miracle of swami and that's why see he's been testing will he do it will he not do it that's where the test comes so after that from january a sudden influx of patients you know i don't know from where suddenly it came and the rest is history hyderabad became one of our good branches wow. it's one of our success stories now you know what happened between january and december and january nothing we did nothing special we did no advertising we did no kickbacks we did nothing we continued as is where is suddenly it changed suddenly the divine grace came okay it must have been a test saying will they given to this or not given to this and when we said no and surrender to swami he then took over and then he made it a success so i think if you stick to your principles in the short term you may lose something but in the long term what you get out of it the respect you get out of it people will come to you after all everybody is looking for a change in india isn't it people are looking for people are fed up yes. with everybody being corrupt and so on so if they see somebody who is of course in the short term they will be not only in the short even in the long term will have problem because if you are trying to do good in society everybody including avatars who have tried to do good have been criticized you know so unnecessarily for nothing that they have done people criticize that is human nature but ultimately as swami says truth will prevail ultimately goodness will prevail no there has been no instance history where only evil prevailed you take the entire puranas and everything ultimately the good only prevail but look at all the good that people tried to do yudhishthira you take anybody you know they would have gone through so much of suffering you know and the most purest man gambles loses why should he gamble why should he lose he is meant to do that he is meant to go through that suffering you know and then he is meant to go through that purification process so that is how i think we'll have to so i would tell youngsters don't worry stick to your principles do what you think is right if one door closes another door will open it cannot be that the whole of history is wrong 
that the whole of all the teachings that Swami has taught us, the various avatars in the past have taught us are all wrong. So if you stick to what you believe is correct and you stick to that, you will be able to do that. I am not saying that little bit of here and there, it may not be there. You might have to please somebody. You might have in life, you have to, for example, whatever we think we cannot tell, no, in life. Yes. Truthful. So now, right now, I think something bad about you. Can I say it straight away? You cannot. So certain things you have to play in diplomacy. Lately the talk may go away. So life is like that. I think we have to go along. We cannot go along one straight path like that. There could be thing. But by and large, stick to the principles and pray. That's the other thing I would say. When you have a difficult situation, surrender. Surrender to Swami and say, that's it. I can't do anything. And I'd like to talk about one or two medical miracles which have happened like that. Sure, ethical sir. miracles are there. There are also medical miracles which happen. Really, it would be very nice uh, if you can share about how you are able to feel Bhagwan's presence actually in your profession. In, fact, private, in the practice. Yeah. In the practice. Because, you know, as you mentioned, ultimately truth will prevail. Yeah. But if you look at Mahabharata or any other instance also, what is also true is during this entire test, God is with He's with you. He's with, with you, you actually. With you, with you, yeah. In the Mahabharata, so obvious. Krishna yes. was with the Pandavas. Yes. I think if you look at all this history also, yeah. God was always with them. Yes. So, it's only a question of we feeling the presence. Exactly. So, exactly. if you can share, yeah, how yeah. you've been able to so feel his presence. So, in the profession, see, we treat as a normal doctor. If somebody came to me as a patient, I will normally treat, uh, you know, as a patient and I will continue to treat. With so After praying to Swami every single morning, we pray to Swami that, Give me the courage, give me the wisdom to do what is right and help my patients. And I am only an instrument and through me, you treat, you heal. I am only doing the, you know, the external thing of giving a medicine or giving an advice. It's you who is healing. So that, of course, every single day it goes. At the end of the day, we thank him for all that he has done. That goes without saying. But sometimes, the best of doctors are stumped. They just don't know what to do. I have told this in front of Swami in 2008 in a speech, but I would like to just repeat it here. There was a Muslim gentleman who came and he had undergone a surgery, a small anal surgery he had undergone and he had a very low pain threshold. He cannot stand any pain, the least of pain. And this is a very painful area. So, he had been undergone a surgery there and the first night after that operation, he didn't sleep at all. He had intense pain. So, finally, we had given Fortwin and then Pethidine. These are the narcotic drugs which you normally give as a last resort. I gave him that also. Painkillers. Painkillers. Narcotic painkillers they are called. Okay. If you give them for long enough, they will get addicted to that, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I gave it to him. I said, you know, he needs a pain. He's shouting with pain. We gave him that. He didn't sleep. The whole night with that also, he didn't sleep. So, next evening I had gone somewhere. Then I knew this man is, uh, you know, in trouble. So, I went back to do rounds. Around 8.30 in the night, I went back to do rounds. And the moment I met, went to his room, he caught my hand. And he said, doctor, 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 do something, do something, do something. I'm having pain, I'm having pain, do something. So I said, look, uh, I have given you, you know, yesterday the strongest of medicines I've given you. There's nothing stronger than that, that I can think of, you know, for pain. So I'll probably repeat it today. No, 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 no. You must do something for me, you know, relieve the pain, relieve the pain. I don't care what you do. I cannot go through one more night of pain. I'm suffering, doctor. I'm suffering pain, 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 pain. So, I, my heart melted. I don't know what to do. I told him, close your eyes. He closed his eyes and he was sitting on the bed. So, I have this ring, Swami's ring. So, I just prayed to Swami and put the ring on his head and said, uh, you know, I just silent prayer to Swami. I said, Swami, I don't know what to do, you know. This fellow, I've given him everything and I'm just not able to, you know, control his pain. You are all merciful. 
you are all loving and this man needs his help so i am praying to you to relieve him of his pain irrespective of what medicine i give i don't think that's going to have the thing it is you who is going to you know relieve his pain i pray to you for this pain and i surrender at your lotus feet because i i can't that's it as a doctor i am stumped now i surrender to you you just heard the first part of the conversation with dr v mohan an eminent indian diabetologist from chennai south india He is the chairman and chief of diabetology at Dr. Mohan's Diabetes Specialty Center. This institution, based in Chennai, is a World Health Organization collaborating center for prevention and control of non-communicable diseases and also an International Diabetes Federation Center of Education. Dr. V. Mohan is also the convener of the Sri Satya Sai Trust Tamil Nadu since November 2007. In the second part of this conversation Dr Mohan goes on to share some amazing instances where he palpably felt Swami's presence in his professional life and also then deliberates on how he happened to cultivate so much faith in the divine In conversation with him was Radio Sai's Bishu Prashti and this was recorded in November 2013 If you have any queries or comments please write to listener@radiosai.org thank you and sign up